Hey, it's Lauren. Thank you so much for listening to The Afterlight. Enjoy the episode. This episode has been brought to you by me and my business, Lauren Grace Inspirations. I am a channel of the light and work with spirit guides, angels, the higher self, and past over loved ones to provide you with support, clarity, and encouragement. Using oracle cards, mediumship, and clairvoyance, my readings will leave you feeling comforted and empowered. I have various reading options available, ranging from 30-minute readings to 60-minute readings to group sessions. I also work with professionals to help them gain clarity in business and life purpose. To book a reading with me, simply head to laurengraceinspirations.com. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Afterlight. I'm Lauren Grace, and I'm joined today by Marie Alessi. Marie loves life, and she has developed an insatiable desire to heal the world from grief. After seven years of being a mindset mentor, her tools were put to the test when adversity shook her family of four. Her husband, Rob, passed away on a business trip when their boys were only 10 and 8. Marie took everything she had learned to become a shining example for her sons and now thousands of people around the globe. For more information on Marie, you can head to marialessi.com, but I will put a link to all her stuff in the show notes as well. Marie is joining me today to talk about a new perspective on grief and loss and to share her story. Marie, thank you so much for being here on the show. Welcome. Total goosebumps when I was read. <laughs> Lauren, thank you so much for having me. I really, I'm so looking forward to sharing space with you. Thank you. So just before we get into a little bit about your story and what started you on the trajectory of really reframing grief, um, which I just think has been such a fascinating thing to get to know you through your books, that I'd love to know a bit about your spiritual journey. Have you always been spiritual? Can you talk a little bit about how that began? Mm. Um, I think journey is the perfect word for it, really, because have you always been spiritual? Like My parents are both from... uh, quite catholic backgrounds and that they gave me a beautiful base because i think i'm i'm not a huge fan of you know calling calling it by names as in religion this religion that and catholic or uh christian i i truly believe there is obviously very obviously something so much bigger than us if you Mm. call it the universe if you call it god um i i just really trust that everyone's faith is different but I feel spiritually very, very guided. And I had a lot of spiritual epiphanies and awakenings and uh, hidden gifts that came through this adversity, in particular through Rob's passing, you know, because my dad went, passed when I was 20, but I was in, in such a different state back then and a different state of development spiritually as well. So, yeah, it's, it's been an incredible journey and I feel very guided and wrapped in love. One of the things I do want to talk to you a bit about is how your spirituality has assisted you in your grieving process. Um, And I'd also like to talk about the stages of grief and, you know, just how people deal with grief differently. Mm. But before we kind of go down that road, can you talk a little bit about your story and what sort of started you off on this? I don't want to say tangent, but on a new journey of Of discovery. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, So 
I moved to Australia in 2004 because I always had this really, really strong calling. I talk about spiritual awakening, spiritual journey. I always had this calling that um, I need to live here. I could not explain why. I just followed this calling. Came here first in 97 and just felt like coming home after ages. There was such a strong sense of this is home, although I had never been in Australia before. And it took me seven years to actually move here. And 10 months after I moved here, I met Rob. I was like, whoa, this was so meant to be, you know. And uh, another 10 months later, we were married. And if anybody would have told me this, you know, you'll meet the man of your dreams and you'll get married 10 months later. I'm like, yeah, right, you know. <laughs> If he's if he's Mr. Right, he'll still be Mr. Right three or five years later. There's no rush. But yeah, in hindsight, looking back now, oh my goodness, you know, I am so glad. And when Rob proposed to me, we'd just been going out for like I think it was five months after we met, actually. We'd only been going out for three to four months. And yeah, it was just my my answer was of course. That was just, you know, of course. <laughs> I'll marry you. And um it, it was really beautiful. So we had this absolute beautiful beautiful relationship I feel so blessed that I had Rob in my life he really truly showed me what love is meant to look like in a human form here on earth it's just so it was so beautiful I have no words you know we were that couple that everybody looked up to and we were like oh you and Rob oh my goodness you know and Fairy I loved tale. being that couple I loved it and we both loved it we, we yeah we absolutely wrapped ourselves in that and then uh, yeah, that day came when Rob went on a business trip and never came back. The boys were only 10 and 8. And breaking the news to them was the hardest thing I've ever had to do in my entire life, really, by far. And um, Rob and I were quite lucky that we had these conversations that a lot of people dread because it's confronting. We had this what-if conversation. What if something was to ever happen to you or or myself you know we we talk about this from both perspectives and usually these conversations ended in something like I would want you to create the happiest life possible for you and the boys we were just so madly in love with each other we just wanted happiness for the other person that's what love wants love just wants you to be happy it's that simple really it's not that simple when well actually it's still that simple but it's not easy you know when it actually happens it's yeah. not so easy to to just under huge quotation marks, create a happy life. I had no idea how to, yet I knew that that was my North Star. I knew that's the direction I had to go and it was my lighthouse in my darkest hour and and I was just crawling and then, you know, walking and then beaming towards that light. I was like, this is where I'm heading. I'm taking my boys with me. And I literally went like that. I couldn't look at anybody else's advice. I couldn't allow anything else in. I just knew that was our direction and yeah that's when I realized one day I had this I need to write a book about this so four months after Rob died I published Loving Life After Loss I published exactly that our philosophy what we had talked about how we met and fell in love and how we then dealt with Rob's passing and I did not expect that book to become an Amazon, Amazon number one bestseller and rank in the top 100 of Australia and with that, I was like, wow, I've got something that the world needs. I, I need to do something with this, you know. Mm. That was, in a nutshell, the, the start of the movement, really. I think that, you know, when you're in a relationship, you're always aware on a subconscious level that one of you may 
possibly pass before the other person, but you never really think that it will happen to you. And even when you have these discussions, you know, and it's important, especially when you have children and have these, these plans in place, but it's always kind of like this idea that's elusive. It's in front Mm -hmm. of you. You think, oh, you know, it won't really happen, but you know, and then when it, hits you I feel quite invincible actually yeah you would feel invincible exactly and then you know when it hits you I can't even imagine the reality you know slamming you and And, um I want to talk to you a little bit about your soul's plan because in your book you mentioned you know I guess his soul's Mm. plan or and I'm not quoting you exactly but Mm. wasn't meant to be here for you know longer than than he was and I guess I was just kind of wondering about how you know, you think about life. What do you think about our soul's plan? Do you think that you guys made a pact before you came here and and this was what it was going to look like? Do you think that you had this, this inner knowing of just being completely madly in love and intensely so for Mm -hmm. the period of time you had, because you knew that it was maybe on some level, not, not going to be for a long time mm. here. Yeah. Just, I would love to hear your thoughts on that. Cause I think that people don't often think about their soul's plan. Yeah. I I love that you call it the soul's plan. I always talk about um, our soul contract, but you know, it, it's pretty much the same thing really. But for me, I remember, and, and I don't know why it must've been in my bedroom because every time I think back to that moment, I literally envision myself in our bedroom and even the way, the direction I'm looking and everything, it's so bizarre. So this is where I must have had this really deep, deep, deep. It was like a spiritual epiphany that I had where I felt like, wow, this was part of our soul contract. And at first it was like that. Well, I've got, I've got goosebumps just thinking back to that moment. Mm-hmm. This At first it was such a slight, almost like bubbling up to the surface, if that makes sense. And then the more... I allowed it in and the more I listened to that inner voice and the more I tuned in, the stronger it became. And and then all of a sudden it was just this absolute deep knowing that this was part of our, uh, our soul contract. And, and it's almost like, because, you know, there's always that human part of us that of course there's sadness and the falling apart and all of that. And then there's a spiritual part of us mm-hmm. where I felt so much love and gratitude that Rob had chosen that part for me it's almost like a you know he's always put me on a pedestal anyway in in this life form here and then all of a sudden I felt there was this spiritual pedestal that he became for me to step onto to create what I'm doing now and I know that might sound so woo-woo for some people sitting here going like you know what is she thinking about herself is, yeah. This is even not about me. This is just about mm-hmm. all these thousands of souls out there that need healing, that want mm-hmm. hope, that want happiness in their lives and don't know how to allow that in. Because if you don't mind, I'm just going to straight away transition to something that you've said before mm-hmm. about um, the, it's even hard for me to bring it back because my brain is so, I don't want this, the uh, different stages of grief. And the stages of grief that most people refer to is what Dr. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross has written. Uh, and she actually wrote these stages for terminally ill people and not for grief. It has been somewhere along the lines misinterpreted and has ever since been 
refer to as the stages of grief. And people always go like, oh, and what stage of grief are you? There are not stages of grief. There are stages of terminally ill people. I mean, you know, when you think about it, the, the anger, the bargaining, the denial, the shock. I didn't bargain. I never felt angry about Rob's passing. I did not feel that. Um, I, I never felt any anger or bargaining or denial or anything like that. Of course, there was shock. Don't get me wrong, because, you know. Yeah. We honestly thought, we often talked about, we will be that couple on the retirement brochure wearing white linen, walking the beach hand in hand. That that was us. That's what we thought. And yeah. again, you know, that was our human form thinking. Our souls had already had a different path, a different plan. But uh, it almost feels like there is a remembering happening of that soul contract we formed. And the deeper mm-hmm. I go into it, the more I feel it. So it just feels like really, really beautiful and very clear guidance and where I'm heading it's incredible it's uh there's so many things to you know talk about in this subject number one when I'm listening to you speak I think about you know Rob's sacrifice as a soul and maybe it's not a sacrifice maybe it was just what he came to do you know to to have this amazing life with you and then to leave and be your guardian angel I would say and to 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 know that, you know, and I guess it says a lot about you, that you have this resiliency within yourself to be able to rise above and to use it as an opportunity to help other people, because not everybody has someone like you to talk to about this or to, uh, I don't want to say compare themselves to, but being a beacon of someone who can move up and move forward in a new way. And I'm going to get you to share a beautiful piece that you, you wrote a little bit later in our conversation, just about reframing that. But, you know, when I, when I look at people who go through adversity and they use their adversary, their adversity as a gift to share with others, to show them, you know, new ways of being and, and the opportunities that can lie ahead. I just think it's such a beautiful indication of that soul and that spirit. And I think a big part about what I'm hearing from you is that, and maybe it didn't happen right away, although it sounds to me like there was this, this level of knowing around you is that you accepted the situation for what it was and didn't mean you have to like it. But I think that within that acceptance allowed you space to be able to move ahead. Would you say that that was a big part of your ability to do that? Yeah, I think accepting is is a really, really big part of it. And mm-hmm. I also wanted to very quickly just make one quick statement here when you said comparison. You know, I, I agree with you. I'm not a huge believer uh, or fan of comparison in grief because it doesn't help us heal. But what we can look for is inspiration, you know, yes. where we get inspiration from people who have come out on the other side, who have allowed healing and joy and love back into their lives. And and that is really what I want for people to experience, that inspiration, that feeling of, wow, this is where I belong, you know, in this community, in this tribe where people just give me hope and help me through that darkness, you know. Yeah. Do you think that in society in general, that death isn't discussed, or I guess in Western society, that it's not discussed in the way that it, that it should be, that it's almost like we don't really go there. And then when it happens to people in a way, it's almost like, especially if they're not spiritual, they're not set Mm -hmm. up to succeed after, Mm -hmm. 
or that there's also misconceptions about how long grief should take because some people grieve for years and years and years and years Mm -hmm. and other people they're, they grieve and then they're okay. And then they grieve again. And there's Mm -hmm. not, yeah, I guess I was just kind of wondering your thoughts on that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because, you know, there's there's so much misconception and there is so many myths in grief, like one we've already addressed, you know, the different stages of grief. But another one uh, that you just um, touched on is the, this will stay with you forever. You know, we'll never get over this. There'll always be a hole in my heart. We have to be so careful in terms of how we use language because I never, I never use this language. Like for me, I would say things like, there'll always be a place in my heart. You know, because I love that fact, like there'll always be a place in my heart for Rob. I don't talk about holes in my heart because that would, you know, that to me would feel like all the memories are just falling through. I can't keep them, you know. And it would mean that you have a hole in your heart and how are you supposed to live like that, you know. But that's exactly how people feel though. They're like, oh, because, you know, they they have this constant pain, this constant survival. And that is another misconception here or another myth in grief that the more... Uh, there's this understanding of the more you love the more you need to grieve or the more you grieve the more you showed how much you loved and I couldn't agree less with that for me it's a complete polar opposite the more I allow love and happiness back into my life the more I show people who Rob was in our lives and who we were together as a couple as a family our whole life was about love and connection so if I was to after Rob's passing stay stuck in this uh, very human, very natural sadness that happens thereafter. If I was to stay stuck there, then to me that would feel as if I was to reduce Rob's entire existence and life he had here on earth. His 45 years of beauty and love and inspiration and happiness to just his passing. I would reduce 45 years down to one second why would I do that I want to continue that love and happiness that we created together and that to me is the most beautiful way of honoring him and of Mm -hmm. showing the boys how you can get through adversity and come out on the other side and carry on the spirit of your dad you know which was pure joy and love so yeah that's just my way of looking at it yeah, I like that. the I like that you said that, and I uh, I've been doing mediumship work now since uh, well about really actively for about six months or so, and mm-hmm. one of the things that I'm seeing is that you know a lot of the souls who pass they want to show you the the happy memories, they mm-hmm. want you to remember that they not the yeah. the fact that they're not here anymore how they pass it's about mm-hmm. look at this amazing life that they had that you were a part of and. Mm-hmm. You know, I love that, you know, you brought that up that you're sort of saying that you're going to continue that love and that legacy, not legacy, but that love and that feeling Mm -hmm. that he would have wanted you to, he would never have wanted you to be anything other than happy. Right. Yeah. I think that absolutely that with grief and with loss that, you know, it's important that people honor their own journey. Do you think that there's a lot Mm -hmm. of pressure in, you know, the way to be or to, to dust yourself off and get back on or go date other people. And, you know, (laughs) I would really like to say as well too, Mm. that grief and loss is not just from losing a loved one. It could also Mm. be losing 
a limb or losing a job or, you know, people deal with grief and loss in many ways, in many different contexts. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. So exhortation, I had to chuckle here because it's, it's, you know, when it comes to society, they've got this weird uh, time frame in their head that, you know, there is the, the first six months are the most intense one, the first year of milestones are the hardest. And, you know, if you move on before then, it's too early. If you move on, if you don't move on after that, it's like, you know, you, you should get over it. There is so much should, 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 expectation, pressure. This is a, you know, I remember when I, I took the boys traveling around the world. Um, so Rob passed in June and we we left end of November that year. So I took them for about two months. We traveled around the world and I just wanted to take them away from all these first milestones, you know, where that expectation would have hit them right in the face. And I thought the best thing that I can do is create new happy memories with them and take them away from these first milestones to be here without him. And um, the second stop, the first stop was the Maldives. It was so so beautiful to get into this soft paradise after what we've been through to just let our souls rest and just be and just be, that's it. I don't even want to add anything to that. Just be, you know. Mm-hmm. And then the second stop was La Palma, uh, which is um, at Canary Islands. And it, it's all very harsh, complete polar opposite, you know, volcanic. And uh, my godfather had moved there. And we stayed with him for nine days. And nine days with my godfather, who has lived and breathed self-development, in particular uh, mm-hmm. focusing on relationship work, for decades I'm talking like five or six decades experience it was so beautiful to be with him he held space for me like a trooper it was so nurturing and healing for me to be in his space and I remember one night we sat and chatted and he had just spoken about a relationship breakup and then all of a sudden out of the blue he said um are you ready for another relationship would you want another relationship and I looked at him completely puzzled and thought what me or you Are, are we talking about me here or you he said you and I'm like and my and I'm going back to this human experience you know my human experience wanted to go like no I just lost my husband you know what are you talking about you know it's only been like six months at the time or however long it was five or six months roughly around that time and I instantly went like and then I looked at him I said hold on let me sit with that for a moment and I really just tuned into my heart and I said you know I love being in a relationship I really love that I don't feel I need one but I love being in one yeah and I think when the right person comes along I will just know that might be in 10 years that might be tomorrow but I don't feel that no in my heart that my brain instantly wanted to say which was interesting so that to me was already a bit of an opening of my heart that happened there which I never realize in those words so I just said it to you so I need to thank Mm -hmm. him for that that's beautiful yeah you know it sounds to me like 
you know, because when I hear that, I think, how would you ever ask someone that Yeah, exactly. after <laughs> six months or what are you yeah. talking about? Like, it, yeah. yeah, because my initial reaction is going, mm, um, hello, they would need way more time. But mm-hmm. I think that in a way, when you were at your most vulnerable, but not only that, oh, I'm getting so many goosebumps here, but um, <laughs> <Me too. laughs> it's like, oh, sure. It's not only were you at your most vulnerable, but you were in a receptive state. And it's like, he just planted a seed mm-hmm. and he just went, here's something maybe for you to think about later, mm-hmm. but I'm going to give it to you in a way that. that you start to look at life with hope. Mm-hmm. And that with is so beautiful. Yeah. So beautiful. I want to thank you for that. Because something else just came to me when you said that with the planting the seed, that is so beautiful. And I believe the difference was the intention with how he asked me because that was in such a nurturing, beautiful, holding space for me way, coming from a space of curiosity, wanting to open my heart most likely because you have this vast experience in that field versus somebody rocking up to you out of the blue going like, and are you going to date again? (laughs) That That's is very right. different. That's that right. His delivery so was gentle. Same question, but super different intention behind it. So yeah, yes. I, I really want to honor that. Yeah. Yeah. The that's so wonderful. Yeah. And I love how in your book, you talked about all these things that sort of aligned for you and, mm. you know, to assist you, especially because I know you said that they froze all Rob's finances and stuff mm-hmm. for, you know, I think 19 months or something you said mm-hmm. while they worked that out. Yeah. Which is yeah. like crazy. When I read that, I just thought how can that even be true? Um, yeah, no. you know, but one of the things that I'm, you know, that I, I understood from your book, what I'm hearing from you is that, it's almost as though by you accepting it, you were able somehow to surrender to life and you were able to be guided. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm getting like the analogy or, or the, the vision of almost that you're going with the flow and it kind of, I'm wondering how is it that you did that? Whereas other people don't do that. And do we have mm-hmm. to bring it back to that word, which is that you accepted the moment you accepted your truth. And so because you accepted Mm. it and again, not liking it, it's different, Mm. but because you accepted it, you stopped suffering and Mm. in, you know, in the bigger way of, of wanting things to be different than they were, you understood that this is how it is. And so from Mm. that, you were able to embrace this higher awareness, this higher knowing, Mm. and in a way you got out of your own way, but I mean, how do other people even begin to do that does that come down to you and your upbringing like are you special (laughs) wow so many questions in one sentence i know Um, i should never do that i'm always only supposed to no 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 i love it i love it i can't help when i'm on a tangent no please i absolutely love all that stuff that's coming up for you i'm just trying to um not miss any of that and if i do please please please, uh, feel free to ask again so i think that starting off with the acceptance that is a really important part absolutely yes um i do not think that it is enough to not suffer i think that every form of healing no matter how big or small um has got a certain shift in perspective that is necessary 
we do need to shift our perspectives, how we look at things. And when I had this realisation that this was part of our soul contract, it gave me so much peace in my heart. It gave me so much love. It gave me so much permission not to have to suffer. And again, I put that under quotation marks because this is coming from society's expectation and that can put so much pressure on you. And I knew very early on, like as I said, at the moment I hugged my boys where I had to tell them those news, I had this little voice of rock in my in my ear, in my heart. I want you to take the boys and create the happiest life possible. That became a North Star that in that very moment. And, and it was a faint light at the beginning when it then it became brighter and brighter. You know, the yeah. more I focus on it, the more uh, it is such a beautiful analogy, really. And and that to me, there was choice in that, if that makes sense. We so often, when we lose somebody so close to us, feel that we didn't have a choice in that. However, as we already said a couple of times in this interview, from a spiritual perspective, I see huge choice in that. But yeah. even if you want to park that aside and, and take it from a completely human experience here and not look at the spiritual side just for one moment, yeah, we still have the choice how we respond to it. And I want to bring one of the most common examples here that I hear all the time in my group when in particular moms, I'm going to use that as an example because I think most people can very much relate to that. When moms come to me and said, well, I had no choice. I had to do this for my kids. I had to carry on. I had to. And I'm like, you did. I don't agree. Respectfully, I do not agree. You chose to carry on. That was already your choice. Because when we look at it, unfortunately, there are a lot of people who take a different path, who choose, um, you know, to go into drugs, alcohol, unfortunately, sometimes even suicide. And that to me, if you carried on for your kids, you've already chosen so well. And I just want to say kudos to you, you to see that you chose and I want you to honor that choice in you. It might have, might have not come on a conscious basis. It might have just been a subconscious, I want to do this for my kids. That drove you to get out of bed every morning, to make the lunch boxes, to show up as a mom, to hold space for them and to step up as a provider. You know, there's a lot of that happening as well. It goes on and on into male and female energy and, and you know, what, what is needed to protect, to provide and to be, become a sole parent. But this is like pulling, getting into so many different topics now. Yeah, but, you know, I guess I'm, I'm thinking to myself, you know, but, you know, does it come down to that person's character, that their natural tendency to, to maybe to take responsibility, to understand mm. their, their power, you know, I mean, when yeah. you're going through, yeah, you have a choice. And if you choose to have a total breakdown for a couple of days, that's okay mm. as well. Right. Mm. But I guess what you're saying is you're, you're trying to say, Hey, you know, as a, as a soul, as a person here, you have a choice mm. in every moment, all the time, what yeah. you're doing. It's mm. whether or not you're aware that you're making a decision or you're making a mm-hmm. choice in the time that you're doing it. Yeah. Or whether yeah, you think absolutely. these things are just naturally happening, I don't mm-hmm. know, like by magic. Mm-hmm. But, you know, do you, 
how is it that somebody maybe who wants to choose a different way doesn't, or is it because mm-hmm. they just on some level don't know how to do it? They don't have the mm-hmm. tools yeah. or yeah, they, yeah. they don't have the, I guess you could yeah. say they would say they don't have the strength or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, strength is a really big thing here because I remember being asked that question, you know, what grief means to me and to my very own surprise, the first word that came up was empowerment and I certainly did not expect empowerment in grief, absolutely not. Yet there are a couple of different things and I hope this answers your question because I feel there are different elements that contribute to that. Firstly, I really felt, physically felt, it sounds weird saying physically, but I I really felt that um that when Rob passed it felt like he poured all his strength into me I felt so much strength through that process I had no idea where it was coming from and I could only put it down to this is Rob this is Rob carrying me still energetically emotionally this is Rob guiding me and I felt him so strongly and the strongest I've ever felt you wouldn't believe this was standing on stage at his funeral, talking to 500 plus people in the room about love and connection. I felt him standing there with me, holding me. I felt his presence to my left. Still has goosebumps. Shivers, I've got shivers all over me. Standing to my left, he had his arm around me. I could feel his arm around my waist. It was so bizarre. And I had to take a moment because I could feel him and I wanted to hold on to that. But there was 500 people staring at me, waiting for me to deliver a eulogy. So... I gave him a speech of a lifetime. I talk about love and connection because that's what Rob and I were all about. And a week after the funeral, a friend of mine reached out to me and she said, you know, Marie, I'm really, really new to all this spiritual world and discovering my spirituality, but it's been a week and I just can't shake this image. And I thought I have to share this with you. When you were standing on stage, I saw for a split second this glistening silhouette standing next to you to your left and it looked like somebody having his arm around you and I'm like oh my god I said Wendy you have no idea what that means to me because that's exactly where I felt Rob and for you to actually have seen it is you know it was such a gift to me so wow I think yes it comes down to how open you are to allowing guidance help in from the spiritual world as well as the human world here uh, your upbringing and very, very much in terms of your, we call it surrounding influences in the coaching lingo, uh, yes. you know, just your environment to keep it yeah. simple. And I just want to say, please, please, please be selective of your environment, who you allow in, in particular in times where you feel really vulnerable because there's so much judgment that can happen on both sides, from my own side as well as people around you. Um just be mindful of that. Be mindful of who you allow into your space mm-hmm. to hold space for you, to be in that space with you. I literally contracted, as in retracted, I should say retracted, and held my circle really, really small after the funeral because I wanted to be there for the kids. I just wanted to hold them and, and run, which I did. We traveled around the world yeah. not shortly after that, you know. So, yeah. How do you think your spiritual beliefs, you know, have, have impacted or influenced your understanding of, of grief and loss? And, you know, do you think that you could also liken that 
like I, I'm just thinking about the listener at home who may not have experienced grief mm. and loss in, in your way, but maybe in another way, yeah. like maybe a loss yeah. of power or a loss of a, yeah. a position or something. I mean, mm. do you, I don't know how people do it without a spiritual understanding to be fair. Mm. I, I guess I, may neither. I could see that, that they would suffer in my, you know. Yeah. yeah. Well, how it has influenced me it really felt like an opening and healing of my heart more and more the more I walked that path the more I just followed that inner guidance the stronger that inner guidance became you know and I I talk about um, hidden gifts and adversity at the beginning and, and this was one of my biggest gifts in adversity my intuition went through the roof I just at first I remember often questioning if I heard that right if I'm you know starting to go nuts or whatever you know just but there were just so many signs and such clear direction that I was given on my path and something that I haven't shared a lot but I feel this is a very very perfect field to share this with with you right now right here was that I had um I had an energy healer that reached out to me after Rob's passing and she had known me for quite some time and I had been working with her quite a few times before Rob passed and I remember reaching out to her when I couldn't get hold of Rob. I don't know why, but she came to me as in, you know, you need to reach out to her, ask her, maybe she knows what's going on because, you know, she's so connected to the spirit world, maybe she can tap into that. And I reached out to her and said, can you, shed some light here I'm going crazy I've been trying to get hold of Rob he's not answering his phone I feel strongly that something happened and I don't know what and she texts me back almost immediately and she said I'm sorry I cannot help you at this stage and the very wording that she used I can't remember if she's at that stage but how she worded it gave me goosebumps I'm like I'm feeling that oh my god you know and it made me even, it was almost worse hearing that from her. I'm like, okay, something's really going on. And it was almost like her hands were tied. She was not allowed to interfere. And that's what she explained to me later. She was like, I instantly got, this is not yours to look at. Stay out of this. And she right. was like, wow, okay. It was so clear that she did not look any further. Right. But after Rob, well, I shouldn't even say after Rob had passed because at that stage he had already passed. But, you know, afterwards when it all came out in the open and when it was all clear what had happened, um, she reached out to me and said, I want to gift you two sessions with me. I, You know, if you want to connect with Rob, if, you know, when, when you're ready to do that, but he needs time to transition. We can't mm-hmm. do this right now. It was so incredibly beautiful. And we did have those two sessions. And it was the most amazing, really deeply personal session that I had with her. I was sobbing the whole session, just hearing everything that she translated for me from Rob. And I knew it was him because there was just things that, you know, I know some people might question that, but there were just things that she just simply couldn't know. And she was just talking like literally like a translator for Rob. And one of the things she said to me, she said, I can see Rob walking ahead of you and he's like already tapping people on their shoulders making them all aware of your coming of your arrival oh that's so beautiful walking that path and the amount of times and that's all I want to share from this session I had with her but the amount of times I have thought of this when 
doors just open up for me where I so didn't expect it and so easily open up for me. And every time when that happened, I just had so much love and gratitude in my heart because all I could see was Rob tapping on the shoulder and opening the doors for me, like she had said it, you know, and oh, my whole body is shaking now because I've hardly oh. ever shared that with anyone, but it's just, it was oh, such a spiritual, for... beautiful um, experience for me. I just really felt like I wanted to share that here right now. Yeah. Thank you for being vulnerable. And, you know, I've got, mm -hmm. I've been having so many goosebumps the whole time we're here. And I would yeah. say Rob is <laughs> definitely here because I can definitely sense his energy. Mm -hmm. um, it's so cool. And, you know, what you're doing too, Marie, is you're allowing our listener at home to be taken on the journey with you and to mm -hmm. know that there are these, all these things that they can do to assist themselves. And, you know, thank you for sharing that story. And I know that would have been you know, deeply personal and an intimate thing that you would have experienced. And, you know, yeah. and I understand being vulnerable is, is difficult, but I, I want to thank you mm -hmm. for that. And what you've also allowed me to bring up because of your, you sharing that is people aren't often encouraged to go and seek a healer or get that energetic. Mm -hmm. And I guess it comes down to whether or not you're open to that, but there are so many yeah. people who experience loss and grief and they think they have to do it on their own. And mm. they don't realize that sometimes a healer can actually really help you to fast track some of mm. that, to give you some of the closure that you may need or to, to get those little, those pieces of hope, like the one that you've, you've had, like what a beautiful visual for mm. you as you move and navigate through life to know that you've got this beautiful, powerful soul. Who's like, girl, I'm going to lay the foundation for you. You just yeah. keep on walking. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I, I also want to add because there are unfortunately a lot of out there that are not really qualified to yes. do the work they claim they are doing. And you can really lead you onto a wrong path. And I really want to say this as a disclaimer, just be sure that whoever you allow to do the work for you comes with a recommendation, you know, Agreed. like with a really true uh, recommendation that you can trust. And unfortunately, there are just way too many people out there who claim to have these um, yes. gifts and they don't. So it's yeah. just really sad how this vulnerability yeah. is often taken advantage of. So I, I just wanted to say that as a, yeah, but, you know, you would be a perfect person to, address with that and to guide yeah, in the right, right direction and I just really love that when when there is trust established already when you know yeah you can trust people and that's a really tricky thing to say because often people think they know but they actually know up here and not down here right, in your heart, heart you know that that is the yes um, trust your heart trust your heart trust your heart I can't say that often enough it's just so incredible Yes. And I would say to our listener at home as well, if you ever want to send me a DM or an email, I can recommend mm. so many healers that I, that have healed yeah. me, that have assisted oh, me. Yes. And I'm sure Marie can do the same as well. So if you're ever wondering, you know, and Actually, other, no, I don't, <laughs> you don't, <laughs> okay, don't. well then you can contact I me. I don't know <laughs> enough um, people that I can wholeheartedly recommend, but uh, you know, this, this very person that I work with, I fully trust her capabilities, but it's not that I have 
a whole list to recommend. So you would definitely be the better person to well, contact with that. But yeah, that's actually funny because you know, as a medium and as I get into that and mm. and offer that more and more. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that I am doing at the moment is I'm putting together a bit of a toolkit that I can give to mm. people and say, hey, if I'm not qualified to assist, these are the people that I yeah. know are doing this work Beautiful. and love it. Important, Marie. I would love to know. I mean, you've you've talked about the heart and listening to your heart, but how do you discern the truth? You know, you kind of made mm. reference there to the head versus so tricky, the heart. It? Mm. it is. And, you know, especially mm. when you're vulnerable, people want, if someone's promising them an answer exactly. or a resolution or a result or whatever, they go to them because they, and it's marketing very often. And yes. I'm a big fan. I'm in marketing and sales. I know a lot mm -hmm. about it. So, mm -hmm. you know, how do people navigate is it word of mouth is that pretty much do you listen to podcasts and see mm. does this person resonate with me like I'll say um, I'll share with you uh when I was reading your application beyond the podcast because you found me I mm -hmm. looked at your photo and I was reading mm -hmm. about you but I looked at your photo and there was something about you where I went this is I just trusted you and I I felt Aww. like I could see in your Thank face you. that there was this connection where I went oh we could be friends I just mm -hmm. knew right away so does that sometimes happen or you know yeah. I'd love to hear your thoughts on how you discern truth and how our listener at home yeah. may be able to use that it is a really really tricky thing to answer because people are at different stages in their in their development of their intuition let me put it that way i think that's the most beautiful way to put it because uh there are people who don't really get what intuition is and they think they can trust but it's their brain and it's the the hooks the marketing you know i worked in advertising for a decade before i started in this in the self-development space so we we both know all about this you know the, the hooks yeah. the things that you need to say that you put out there so people actually come and I don't really love that because it can really manipulate people. And obviously, don't get me wrong. I mean, I put things out there um, because I want to guide people on the path of healing. So when I put things out there, people can easily perceive that as hooks as well. And it, it, that's what it is. It's, it's but you know what you do the story works. and open the doors. That's Yet the thing. It's about opening doors. That's how I like to see it and not about just selling someone something that they might not need. I don't want people to come to my retreats when they're not ready. I don't want people to do my programs if they're not ready because it's not going to help them. And it feels unethical to me to sell them something they're not ready for. And I would never. I'm not going to. I don't want to uh, because to me, it's never been about the money. It's always been about the healing. Yeah. And when you do your stuff right, the money will always follow anyway. It's not that yeah. I have an issue with receiving money. More than happy to. <laughs> it is that I would have a huge issue receiving money for something that's unethical or that I don't feel aligned with. I have so many people ask me to promote their things because of my lists growing and because of my, you know, the, the more you're out there in the public, the more people will come and write a chapter in my book, come and do this. I, I get these yeah. offers all the time, Yeah, but I don't respond to them if I don't feel aligned with it Yeah, because it wouldn't feel ethical or right to me receiving not, it's not even just the money, receiving attention or anything and money for something that I'm not aligned with. I don't want to be there. I want to be with something that 
makes sense to me that is beautiful that feels right in my heart and it's coming back to that you know I know we're always digressing from the question but how do people know the more you really learn to tap into your heart to literally close your eyes take a deep breath in and just be present in your heart just feel all of you being in your heart and I really struggled with that I'm talking about like 10 years ago, I struggled with that because I had such a, a hard wall built around my heart to protect mm. because of childhood trauma, because of things that weren't resolved back then. And now that I've healed that and I've let go of that, all of a sudden it's just it's just not there anymore. So when you do that, when you close your eyes and take a deep breath in and really imagine being in your heart and you struggle with that, it just means you need to do it more often. Do it more often. Do it as often as you can until it becomes easier and easier and easier. And when you find things like that, when you find mediums or people talk about someone, often it's just the way how people talk about someone that you can already feel, yes. do I need this? Or, you know, there's this heart and there's the head sort of separation where you like trust your heart always yeah. and it's, it's really tricky because when you haven't done that work, when you're not really accustomed to it, when you're not really used to working from the heart, making decisions from the heart, then you might think you're in your heart, but you're not. It's hard to explain because when no, you're not no, there, it's you totally don't really. True. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. And I will say for a listener at home and also for you, Marie, I had a guest on the show couple of months back, Rhiannon Hines, and she put out the book Keepers of the Light Codes. And it's one of the best, mm -hmm. most aha books I've ever read. And when I first opened it, it was like, I felt like I was coming home. And the mm -hmm. reason why I'm bringing this up is because she, it was all about the heart and what mm -hmm. I understood. And I, when I learned and I felt it, I didn't intellectualize it is that the heart is the gate to all of it. And I realized that so much more and how you know, one thing I want to say is that, and this is for a listener is like, when you're making a decision, sometimes you don't need to rationalize it. And I think that we forget that where we go, I want to do that because let me come up with the reasons. I don't want to mm. do that because let me come up with the reasons. And sometimes when you just know your truth, you don't actually have to question it. And that's different than being like, oh, I think this will solve my yeah. problem. I'm going to do it's mm. this inner no. And like, I agree with yeah. what you said. If you're not there, you got to just keep learning and keep opening yourself up mm. to opportunity and you will learn your own truth and you will find your own way. But mm. you're right. I believe too. the heart is the gate to the abundance, yeah. to the healing, to the higher self, to all of it. That is mm. where that's the key, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I love it. <laughs> How would you advise somebody who is um, fresh, potentially dealing with grief and loss, or maybe even not so fresh, but still dealing with it, mm -hmm. still not really living their authentic truth, not mm -hmm. able to get out of that shadow? How would you, how would you help them or encourage yeah. them? Yeah. It's so a couple of different ways I do it. And it so depends on who I'm talking to, because as always, I really let my intuition guide me on that. But when I come from a very generic, um, you know, uh, scenario, I would say 
first of all, my heart goes out to you. I really feel for you. I, I want you to know that I see you where you're at right now. I want you to be kind to yourself. That's the biggest thing I want to say to you. Just please be kind to yourself. We are so fast to blame ourselves. Why am I not better? Why am I this? Why am I that? What if? Why did this happen to me? You know, all these questions. I'm like, just be kind to yourself. You don't need to have all the answers. In fact, you don't have to have any of those answers because this is something that can't be answered. Uh, the why did this happen? Um, my answer would be because you chose that. But this is really from a very spiritual level. And, and I understand that everybody's got a different belief around that. Yeah. But for me, to get out of this real pain, there's there's two ways how, how very often start the journey. One is uh, to separate who you have lost from what you have lost. In other words, I want you to get really clear on what are the things that you are missing the most right now. And for me, there were things like um, I needed to find a way to feel safe again because Rob was my knight in shining armor. When he was around, I, I always felt safe. So now I have in an instant become the protector of the family. Our boys were 10 and 8. And I stepped into this, and, and I'm coming back to what I said before, you know, it was really male energy, protecting, providing, and and I really neglected my female energy for a while, but I knew that I had to. Mm. I mean, of course, there was the nurturer needed as well, but the protector, the provider, that was really important um, for our survival as well, and then traveling around the world with two boys. So I looked at what do I need? What am I missing the most? What have I lost here? And it was safety. It was just one of many things, but safety was a big one for me. And then when you have that, so just a little disclaimer here, this is not about replacing a person. This is just about what can I do to fill this hole that people often leave behind where you're like, you know, what can I do to do these things? And for me, uh, it meant little things like checking the front and back door before we went to bed to make sure that it was locked. Uh, although we live in such a safe neighborhood, but you know, it helped me feel yeah. safe. In control. I pushed, yeah, yeah, I pushed my bed into one corner because I needed a corner to cradle up in and to just feel cradled in. I didn't want to have that, you know, on either side of the bed. I just, I just felt like I needed a corner to feel safe in. So I pushed my bed into one corner. It was little things like that. So I encourage you to really separate the, the who from what because with Rob's passing he didn't take my safety away with him I just had to become responsible for it if that makes sense so yes. it's about taking on responsibility for your own life we so easily give that up to somebody else we so easily let somebody else carry us in particular when you're with a knight in shining armor you know yep I am more than happy for you to carry me but then there comes this time where you need to claim that responsibility back and say, okay, thank you so much for carrying me for the past 12 and a half years. And now it's my time to walk. And now it's my time to carry the boys for a while until they can walk, you know? So there is this really beautiful uh, choice again, you know, what do you, what do you do with it? Mm -hmm. And the other way that I often uh, start off with is I call it the color orange. And as you can tell, for those who can see me, which is you, Kerry, <laughs> orange is my favorite color. And I'm wearing orange today so too, color, which is so, so funny. I, today. I noticed that straight away when you came on. I'm like, yeah, I love it. 
so I call it a color orange because it's my favorite color. And obviously you can replace it with any color that you love. It's not about a particular color orange. It's just because it's my favorite. And I get people when they're in this hole, like they don't even know where to start and they are so deep in their pain that they often don't really know how to even do the smallest or simplest tasks. Um, I get them to focus on their favorite color for one day. So literally when, when I play this right now here in my office, I see three orange cushions, an orange squeezy ball. I've got orange flowers here. I've got my wall, uh, feature wall painted in orange. I've got this beautiful orange painting behind me. I've got an orange um, dream catcher and my orange nail polish. You're right. You need that in your office, of course. You know, I've got the <laughs> color swatch for my wall. I've got pens. I've got, you know, that just in, in not even a minute, I named like, I don't know, 15, 20 things in yeah. the color orange. So if you play that for an entire day with your favorite color, you should easily find about 100 items. It's not even about the number. It is about your brain learning to, A, be distracted from the pain and not constantly just focus on the pain, and, B, polar opposite, to start focusing on what you actually love. So that's a super, super simple exercise to just train your brain to focus on something that you love. And the day after... I then get them to replace the favorite color with the emotion they miss the most, whether that's safety, go with that, whether that's love, go with that, whether that's, I don't know, you choose whatever emotion you miss the most and focus on that. If we go with a super generic example, love, we all need love in our lives. Uh, focus on that. Where can you see love? That might be, I'm going to use my example right here, right now, my beautiful cat, staring at me through the office door going like when are you done let me in I'm not allowing her in because she is so loud <laughs> but I can feel so much love from my cat right now it's beautiful she's just staring at me through the glass door poor thing that can be a smile from a checkout cheek that can be a mom hugging her baby that can be you know friends hugging a couple walking hand in hand what, whatever that is for you focus on that and by focusing on what we want to see in the world, we invite more and more of that to come into our lives. So that is just a super, super simple, generic way. But, you know, I always just trust my intuition, whatever comes up when I'm sitting with that person. That is so wonderful. I'm going to get you in a minute to share your piece on widowhood just before mm -hmm. we, we sign off here. Mm -hmm. But do you mm -hmm. have any tips as well for anybody who might be supporting somebody who's dealing with grief and loss and knowing, you know, and I know it would be different case by case for sure. And I remember hearing Brene Brown say one time, what does support look like for you and leaving it yeah. up to them to assist you? But yeah. are there yeah. things that you to do or, or not do? And, you know, how mm. can you hold presence for someone who's in that much yeah. pain and, and support them? I think you just named it anyway, you know, to hold presence for them. Like for us, it's really we need to learn to hold space for people because so often people feel the need to say something or give advice. And what then happens is that they, they drift into comparison very quickly. I had people bombard me with stories about someone who had lost a husband. And I, I was about to shake someone. I have to be very honest here. Yeah. I was like, how on earth is this helping me? You telling me stories about somebody else who had died. 
first of all, when you do that, you're not seeing me in my pain with my husband who has passed. And secondly, you are comparing somebody else's story with mine, which you certainly can't because my husband was very special to me. So how dare you compare? You know, I was in this real, how dare you compare? Now I've completely let go of that too. And I'm like embracing all of it. And spiritually, I see it from a very different level now. But back then I was in this, how dare you? And just, you know, I just wanted to hide away when I went shopping. I had like, because we live in such a small country town, everybody knew. And for me to go out shopping meant that it was always vulnerable I was always out there people would see me people would judge me people would want to hug me where I didn't want them to hug me because I could feel their energy was coming from sympathy and not empathy and I I was like stay away from me I was like I literally said that to one lady once she came with open arms and I was already in body language hiding and she didn't read it and she came to me and I said I'm really sorry but I just need to get in and out here today please don't yes but that's hard not everybody is able to say that in that situation people let it happen to them and it's just it's just really it can be so volatile as in this whole you know how do you how do you allow that in in that moment to tell people you cannot help me with your energy right now because it doesn't feel right you know it's hard yeah 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 So it's just noticing how that person is acting, holding space by just being there, being present, being quiet, even asking them what support looks like. You don't have to say anything. You can just be there and listen, listen, listening and holding space. It's the most beautiful two things you can ever do for somebody who's in such a vulnerable situation. Yeah. Well, I think a beautiful way to end off such a wonderful conversation Mm -hmm. would be if you would share your piece on widowhood. And when I read this, I was, um, I had never read anything like it. And oh, thank you so it, much. It may be emotional reading, listening to it mm. or reading it, but also, mm. you know, it made me, yeah, there's a, a such an empowerment within it. It's funny. Hey, mm. empowerment within that grief. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It back full circle. So yeah. I'd love for you to, to set this up and, and to share mm. this. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I want to say this because when you said uh, the piece that you've written, it's actually a piece that I have rewritten. So the original piece is called Widowhood and is by Alicia Bosav. And, you know, for anybody who wants to to look up her original word, work, please do so. Because when I read this piece and somebody had shared it in my group, my brain was so putting the loving life after loss filter on that that I decided to rewrite it. And I have to say, I was really, really nervous at first when I shared it. And then I had this wave of gratitude come over me as soon as I shared it. And there was huge engagement because everybody was like, oh my God, thank you so much for sharing this. I so needed to read this right now. This was amazing. So that really encouraged me to share it more and more openly and far and wide. And this is what I have rewritten that piece to. Widowhood is more than just pain and losing your spouse. It is an opportunity to an an alternate life. It is growing through adversity. Widowhood is going to bed and learning to embrace the stillness around you, sometimes even enjoying that bit of extra space that used to represent emptiness in those first intense times. Getting to know yourself within the solitude. The night brings silence and a space to listen within when all the drowning noise around you stops. 
Widowhood is walking around the same house you have lived in for years and recreating space, colors, and maybe even adjusting furniture to make it your home, suitable to your new situation. Because the home you had so far was created by a combination of you and him. And then they're not there. Now it's time to look within, allow yourself and dare to choose something different and new, maybe even something he wouldn't have chosen. Widowhood is looking at all your dreams and plans you shared as a couple from your new and current perspective. It's a chance to check in with yourself. Do I still want this? Would I still want to choose this now on my own? Finding excitement in the process of searching for new dreams that involve simply you are endless. And every small victory of creating new dreams for yourself beholds a hidden gift in adversity, something you might have never looked at before. Widowhood is rediscovering everything you thought you knew about yourself. Your life had molded together with another's and without them, you're invited to relearn all your likes, hobbies, fears, goals. The renaissance of that new you might scare you, but make you proud simultaneously. Widowhood is being a stranger in your own life. The unnerving feeling of watching yourself from outside your body, going through the motions of what was your life, but being detached from it all. You don't recognize yourself. Your previous life feels but like a vapor long gone, like a mist of a dream. You, being, you begin to wonder if it happened at all. Widowhood is the irony of knowing if that one person was here to be your support, you also have the strength to grieve that person. It is an honor to carry forward this memory while learning to trust your inner guidance, listen to your inner voice. You now have the challenging and empowering task of moving forward on your own. Widowhood is despite missing the one person who could truly understand what, what is in your heart to share, to still share memories of his funny jokes, the embarrassing incident, the fear compelling you, or the frustration tempting you. To anyone else, you would have to explain why you choose to see this as an opportunity rather than defeat. And that is too much effort, so you keep it to yourself, and the empowerment grows within you. Widowhood is the opportunity to re-identify yourself. Who are you when not their spouse? What else do you want to do than the things you planned together? What brand do you want to buy rather than the one you two shared for all those years? What is your purpose now that the energy you invested into your marriage is yours to spend on anything you choose? Who is my closest companion now when my other heart isn't there? Widowhood is feeling restless because you and your home now feel different. Just like your identity and the meaning you had attached to your partner, lover, friend, playmate, travel companion, co-parent, security and life. And you are navigating to an unknown destination. Widowhood is living in a constant state of reinvention with no hands to hold, nobody next to you by default and no partner to share your life. It is your choice to learn to walk again confidently on your own. Choose wisely whose company you invite into your life. Widowhood can be being alone in a crowd of people, yet it doesn't have to mean that you feel lonely and it can mean, it can even mean that you are happy. 
allowing yourself to feel alive. It is looking back and moving forward. It is being hungry and tasting new things. It is preparing differently for every special event and maybe even celebrating more as we know how precious life is. Yes, it is much more than what society makes it to be. It is becoming a new person in a way that you choose to be. It is embracing every emotion mankind can feel at the very same moment and allowing yourself to function differently in life to what anyone expects. Widowhood is delicate. Widowhood is strength. Widowhood is fertile. Widowhood is rebirth. It is life-changing and brings choices that are only yours to make. Widowhood is reinvention. Wow. I don't know how you got this in years. I don't know how you got <laughs> through that. <laughs> Beautiful. It is so beautiful. I'm so grateful that you asked me to read this because when you, yeah. you know, you literally put me on the spot with this just before the interview, I'm like, oh, let me find this. I literally hadn't read that in years and I'm so glad you got me to reconnect with that. Thank you. Thank you for creating such a beautiful message or recreating mm -hmm. such a beautiful message. Thank How can you. people get a hold of you, my sister? I think the easiest way is mariealessi.com. It's my website. And from there, you literally find everything there is to hear, to know, to connect with me about me. Uh, you'll find our Facebook group. You'll find the TEDx talk. You'll find my books. A way to connect with me is to just book a chat. You'll see the most beautiful interviews. And with your permission, I will share ours on my website as well. So mm -hmm. it's just really the best way to to learn a bit more about who I am the movement and how you can connect with me wonderful thank you so much for being on the show I've absolutely loved our chat thank you so much for having me me too I really appreciate it thank you hi thanks so much for listening to the episode I hope you enjoyed it if you did please leave us a review where you listen to your podcast and share it with your friends thank you new episodes every Thursday <laughs>